So this bolt of lightning shot I think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean, anyway? And that's what I wanted to I tell mean, you. It certainly means podcast. different things to different people. Okay, bye. <laughs> clicked record uh i i hit record okay ha! yeah we did it all right um excellent welcome to feature creep colon built-in microwave semicolon uh just because you call it a philosophy doesn't mean it's a philosophy is that what we yeah yeah yes you did it okay i did it all right we're done so thank you for listening um if you have any comments on this show you can email our executive assistant dana at fcbm.io so that's d-a-n-a at fcbm.io um this was a real short one so that's great okay thanks everybody bye <laughs> yep this was lauren great to be here oh yeah yeah, uh, so I am... Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting here with Lauren. Yes, uh, my co-hosts Meg and Lauren are there, and I am over here sitting on this other chair, uh, and I'm Ned, and here we, we go. We are bi-coastal now. We're bi-coastal, yes. we are on the North Coast, and you are on the West Coast. Right. And nobody's on the East Coast, because the East Coast is poop. <laughs> it is poop. the right coast, though. Yeah... Right if you're co- the correct coast is well, that the best kind of coast i don't know if right's the best coast it's just the right coast um i mean so uh i mean that's assuming um i think that's I, assuming I was, that like we're using the uh mercator protect projection or whatever the the standard like north is up on the map and yes yeah right well, I mean, and I was sort of making a joke. There's like, you know, technically you're right, and that's the best kind of right. And so sort of <laughs> right. technically it's the right coast, and so that's the best kind of coast. That's it a good, makes that's less a good, so yes. sense the more you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I got a, an email. I get email. I got an email that our friend uh, in South America sent us about a metal alloy called nitinol. Oh. And it's nickel titanium. Yeah. It's a metal alloy of nickel and titanium where the two elements are present in roughly equal atomic percentages. And uh, they're, they are named according to the weight percentage. So the different alloys like nitinol or nitinol. This is the shape memory alloy. Yes. Yeah. They use it to make memory wire. Yeah. And I wanted to bring it up because... He shared it with me and was like, this stuff is amazing. And there's apparently like biocompatible and biomedical applications, which I'm really interested in. And then like damping systems and structural engineering and thermal and electrical actuators. Anyway, this stuff is amazing. It's highly biocompatible and has properties suitable for use in orthopedic implants. And due to its unique properties, it has a large demand for use in less invasive medical devices, commonly using catheters, stents, and super elastic needles. Super elastic needles freak me out. Yeah. I had yeah, it. They like go in you and bend along with you. <laughs> I had it in my braces when I um I had braces and then I was gonna go work in the On high country. Yeah. And I was gonna go work in the high country in Yosemite um for like three months. And so the yeah. orthodontist was like, No problem. We'll just put a nitrile wire in there and then we won't have to make adjustments for the time you're gone. Whoa. Yeah. I was going to look it up, but I'm uh, the research department that I immediately have access to is temporarily unavailable. Oh. Uh, and I wonder if it's not what is used for what's called memory wire in the jewelry making industry. I worked as a stone and pearl buyer for a, a bead store for a long time. And Fascinating. Yeah. And so there's a material called memory wire and you use it to like make bracelets yeah. and stuff. They make a neck size and a bracelet size and... Like when you stretch yeah. it, it goes back. That's cool. So if you've ever had the bracelets just kind of like curl. I have one of mm-hmm. those. Yeah. Um, I was just, Ned, I, yes. this, I was just reading the Wikipedia on this and they just, I just got to the part about. Uh, in dentistry. Dentistry. Oh. Once the SMA wire is placed in the mouth, its temperature rises to ambient body temperature. This causes the nitinol to contract back to its original shape, applying a constant force to move the teeth. Mm-hmm. They yeah. do not need to be retightened as often as other wires because they can contract as the teeth move, unlike conventional stainless steel wires. 
Additionally, they can be used in endodontics, where nitinol files are used to clean and shape the root canals during the root canal procedure. I love endo- endodontics. Say that again. Yeah, endodontics. 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 I think I need endodontic help on one of my teeth. Yeah, we should find a find an orthodontist you like. They're usually. Mm, no. um, <laughs> there's also or uh, or uh, when, they, when they use it in stents, the it, the collapsed stent can be inserted into a vein or artery. Yeah, and then the body temperature warms it so that it expands to its original shape, and then it holds the artery or vein to open to improve blood flow and it's also it can be used instead of sutures when you stitch somebody up oh interesting yeah and then like there are ones that can be used in neurovascular interventions so like after somebody's had a stroke mm-hmm. or something like that <clears throat> and then like i guess they use them in iud's now oh, wow. oh really yeah and also bridges mm-hmm. so you know and i'm totally wrong the memory wire in, in bead stuff is made of steel oh uh, Oh, like a high carbon steel or something that has like a, like a shape, like a generally more harder. I'm having a hard time getting the actual material schematic specifications, but, uh, yeah. but I do see reference to steel in a number of cases. Uh, and yes, it is a, a carbon steel. Gotcha. Um, I mean, all, all steel has some carbon in it, right? It, it has uh, to. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So. The what percentage, is, the difference would be the what percentage. What is steel made yeah. out of? It's carbon and what? No, iron. steel is iron and other stuff, mm. right? Yeah, so um, uh, steel steel is an alloy of elements, yes. which is um, typically mostly iron, um, and then it has some amounts of usually carbon and sometimes like manganese, nickel, chromium, uh, vanadium, oh, sometimes vanadium, oh, yeah, stuff. zinc, uh, maleb- molybdenum. Yep, molybdenum. Molybdenum. Yes. <laughs> so it's got um, that BD the t- together that makes maleb. Molybdenum. Yeah, it's an interesting word. Yeah, it's a very silly vanadium. word. Yeah. So all of this obviously um, is if you're listening to this, if you've made it all this way, like you get the connection now to philosophy, um, right? Directly. <laughs> um, uh, this I think this was coming up because we had a, like a separate conversation about another thing that like everybody loves to call philosophy, but it's not actually a philosophy, which led to the conversation of like, well, just calling something, labeling something a philosophy or applying the term philosophy to something doesn't actually mean that it's a philosophy. But at like, all. what if I had like a set number of principles? Would that be a philosophy? Well, I mean, but like a specific number of them. A specific number of them. If you had exactly fourteen, right, then it becomes then a it becomes philosophy. What if well, you had like, nine? You the, just need one more to be a philosophy. Yes, the tenth <laughs> is the bonus one. It's your free sandwich. Oh, it's your free sandwich. <gasps> That's how it works. <laughs> right, culinary, culinary philosophy. Thank you for putting it in terms that I would understand, Mike. <laughs> well, I it's so. I mean, if we're going to get into the semantics, um, which I think is the whole point of this discussion, uh, the OED, Oxford English Dictionary, defines philosophy um, as the study of a fundamental of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence, especially when considered as an academic discipline. Um, it goes on to say that it could be a particular, like it can be applied from a meaning point of view as a particular system of philosophical thought. Um, which again, doesn't, it mean like, which I'm assuming means that philosophical thought basically refers back to the earlier part of the definition, which is to say that it's a study of fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence. Um, or, I mean, it could be the thought of fundamental reality and existence. Right. Well, I mean, I guess what I'm arguing is that just because you have some number of principles or saying like this is our philosophy in quotes because you're saying it's a philosophy doesn't make it a philosophy right just because it is a system of thought right it's philosophy is a system of philosophical thought and philosophical thought is the study of fundamental nature of knowledge reality and existence there's usually an argument and some premises and there's like there's a how there's a what we think we know yeah, and, and how, how we, we think, think we know, know it and why like what that's yeah. grounded in like if right. you're going to make a claim you have to ground it in something like i say this and this is what i say it is because of this 
So <clears throat> I just it's I think when somebody <laughs> when somebody says something and it's like this is a statement of my personal opinion and that's my philosophy. I'm like that is not a philosophy. You're just stating a preference. Right. And when Meg said like there's a, a you know basically a what we think a how we think we know it and a why I like was like oh that makes me like I had a physical sense of joy or delight in my body. I was like <laughs> oh I love things that are highly structured like that. Yeah. So I was like, can we talk about it? Because that makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, God. I was was watching a presentation that one of my professors gave earlier today that was really cool. And I really appreciated her her approach because um, a lot of the information that she presented wasn't (laughs) like... I I don't I would like to burn PowerPoints to the ground and then get into a time machine and go back in history and prevent it from ever happening. But I don't want to do that <laughs> until I've had the satisfaction of burning it to the ground if that was possible. <laughs> but uh <clears throat> people who find interesting ways to use PowerPoint presentations to great effect are things that I enjoy watching, but or people I enjoy watching when they present, but um, I really don't like the way that most people use PowerPoints. And so today, the one that she presented with was really cool because it didn't have a lot of text. It was a lot of pictures and references and sort of like question prompts and things like that. Right. But very few actual written characters on the screen, which was really nice. And it was totally engrossing because the whole time you were forced to listen rather than, you know, read what is essentially a transcript of the stuff that people are talking at you. Most of those presentations just remind me of somebody like, like when we were in first grade and everybody had to practice reading in front of everybody else and the teacher would like call on one person and that person would like stumble through like reading because they had not learned how to read yet and it was excruciating to everybody else to have mm-hmm. to listen to right. and put right. somebody on the yes. spot. Like <clears throat> that's totally what I feel like PowerPoints are like sometimes where it's like we're all watching the words that you wrote down that we are all thinking now because you presented them to us and we're now we're just listening to you read the thing that we're reading ourselves like this is a terrible way to do this This is fucking horrible Mm -hmm. it's like first grade have we not moved on with our lives no apparently not well we should (laughs) and today someone did and it was great and i really enjoyed it and that person in several slides managed to convey essentially like a whole philosophy about how people should be treated when they go to the doctor's office. Mm. And I was like, this is a great philosophy because it's about a specific thing. It talks about what the thing is, why we know about the thing, how we categorize the thing, mm-hmm. how the thing relates to other things, how to do the thing right, <clears throat> and why we think all of this is the case. <clears throat> uh, we have like a super humid weather here and I'm like all nasally crying. Uh, yeah. Like it's just constant. I am either sitting in front of a fan drying out and choking into a microphone or I'm in a swamp essentially choking into a microphone. (laughs) Either way, it's unpleasant for everybody. For everybody. Um, Don't forget those times when you're when you're cold and in a swamp, like when it's a damp cool. Yeah. Like with if you're claiming that you should have a if if you're claiming that what you what your thoughts are constitute a philosophy, then you should be prepared to defend it. Yes, that I agree with. Like, it has to be coherent. Yes. <clears throat> I don't think that happens a lot. I think, like, have you ever had a conversation with someone where they don't, they don't, or a situation with someone where they don't understand the difference between, like, a phrase or a statement or a sentence? Like, a s- sentence is not necessarily, like, statements and sentences are not the same thing necessarily. And, right. like, <clears throat> um, like, a sentence has to have a subject and a predicate. But a statement doesn't have to have that. <laughs> I, I often feel that way about like like arguments. Yes. You know, like people are like, I, oh, we're disagreeing. And it's like, oh, I actually thought we were having an argument. And I would define that as different than a disagreement. Right. Sure. And then the other person's like, well, whatever. And I'm like, okay. It like, matters. <laughs> get me. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I actually, as much as I love semantics, I, I also recognize how they can be weaponized or used as like a tool of dickery uh-huh. like yeah like ultimately communication is about connection like like yeah. communication is about expressing something that somebody else can then take in and digest or process hopefully and so like if you're not actually connecting with someone else it's not communication so like if semantics get in the way of connecting with somebody else if you move away from what of actually trying to listen to someone or hear what they're having to say, mm-hmm. like then I think semantics are, you know, 
a tool that separates us. But other times, like I feel like semantics are important. And I think that context or nuances is, is that is often missed. And then in times like, oh, I thought we were having this, uh, an argument where there is like a structure, like a, you know, a, uh, a statement and like your criteria and, you know, uh, what's the other one? Um, your values. Uh, that's from like Lincoln Douglas debate. But still, like you, you make a statement that you feel to be true. And mm-hmm. like, this is how, you know, this is what I think I know. This is how I think I know it, what it's based on. And here's why I'm making this argument. And then someone else is like, oh, we just disagree on whether or not this point or that point capitalism requires a crushing class. And I'm like, well, to my mind, like, there's no point in disagreeing if you're not going to argue. Does that make sense? Like, if you can't say right. why you disagree with that right. state, I if, if I have structured, here's my statement and all these facts, and you're like, I just don't agree with you. And so it's a disagreement. It's like, well, what's the point of disagreeing if you can't figure out why? Right. Um, I mean, I guess like I, the thing that I think of when you say that is I, I, I immediately think about um, like all the underlying motivations that come from like having a discussion with somebody that, sure. that, mm-hmm. that has those sort of those places to visit like disagreement and argument and debate and all of those things and whether or not, um, you know, like, like semantics, I, I love semantics because it's about having meaning. Like it's about defining meaning. Right. Um, yes. And that's definitions also make me happy. Yeah. And that's (laughs) like a, that's like a really a cornerstone of good communication is having agreement about meaning. And so when you're yeah. arguing about meaning, you're arguing about semantics in some way. And a mm-hmm. classic example of a semantic argument that derailed the actual issue at hand was the like <clears throat> linguistic fucking flaming knife juggling contest that Bill Clinton did when he was under fire for getting a blowjob in the Oval Office. Yeah. And like was like, well, it all depends on what your definition of the word is is. And I'm like, you fucking sophist like you mm-hmm. shit ass sophist <laughs> like fuck you for derailing this into a discussion around semantics you know what the point is you fucking asshole like i hate that guy so much and it's because he like totally abused linguistics and semantics in order to like circumvent taking any kind of accountability for something but like it's just it pisses me off that it, that's how he did it but then what's an example of a linguistic debate that you think is helpful meg Oh, um, you know, I always have things on deck I'm ready to complain about. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you've stumped me on this one. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure not asking I'll, you to complain about something. I'll, I'm so. sure I'll say, th- no, I mean, I, I, uh, well, I, I can't come up with anything because I only complain about things. <laughs> I can't come up with anything positive off the top of my head. Um, I'll think of something, but like, I mean, it super matters, like uh, defining making sure that you like in the case of law like i mean in bioethics there's all these like super specific definitions because you're talking about the def the, like it, oftentimes the intersection of law and medicine and so like you have to be really specific about what you mean when you say a certain thing in a certain mm-hmm. context but i can't think of any like really no that's okay and i didn't mean to like specifics. put you on the spot because no, i too good. am trying to like i love defining things through relationship so like i know this thing bothers me well then can i think of a situation that feels very similar that doesn't bother me then can i examine why they're different or mm, why one mm -hmm. bothers me and so i what i just thought of now listening to you and so i too am sort of struggling of like well when is it okay and when isn't it and what i thought of when you mentioned the law meg is like it's about context. So it's about what is the larger point of the conversation? Yeah. And in a legal argument, typically the larger point of the conversation is what do we mean by these things? Yeah. Because it is typically the interpretation of law that already exists. Right. That's why case law is so important. Right. Interpretation really matters. Mm -hmm. But if we're trying to like get at the, uh, the details of an event, Sure, definition matters a little bit, but that's not ultimately the point. If the point is, you know, finding out what happened, like, then that is like the point of the conversation. And so I can see how in my personal discussions, like, am I trying to get at how someone feels? Well, then maybe semantics will feel kind of uh, uh, like it's derailing the conversation or not helping. But if I say want to connect with someone and I do that through like, 
you know, uh, thought experiments, well, then maybe semantics could be really invigorating. Yeah. Also, Meg, Ned. <laughs> I do this all the time. Med. Well, yeah. Med. And uh, Neg. Um, so, Ned, did I talk over you? Were you trying to say something? Oh, um, I, as an example of sort of positive outcomes of using semantics as, as part of the discussion or the argument. Um, I, so... Uh, as my job as a software developer, like 99% of my job is arguing semantics with a computer and losing mm-hmm. all of the time. Right? Losing every and, time. And I put those qualified, like I'm, I'm humanizing something that there is no winning and losing. Like the, like right. the, the point of semantics and the wonderful thing about it is that it's about defining meaning. And so the argument I'm having with the computer is about me expressing my meaning and semantics is a huge part of that. And so mm-hmm. um, the computer is very rigid in its formal interpretation of the semantics of whatever I'm putting forward. And, <clears throat> yeah. and so uh, the biggest part, like everything about programming is setting up an environment where you can quickly learn about um, what the computer thinks you mean. And so you just continually like, you know, you're continually writing statements to the computer saying, hey, here it is. And it's arguing with you about the semantics of that statement until you're like, oh, great. We reached the outcome that I was looking Mm -hmm. for. Um, And and so I like you can. Is it like you're like, this is what it is. And then the computer is like, no, this is what it is. And you're like, hmm, no, this is what it is. And the computer is like, no, this is what it is. Until you're finally like that both of you are like, now we're at the same place. Oh, I feel like, does the computer, do you feel like the computer comes back with this is what it is? I feel like it's like just a yes or no. It's almost like, well, you're like, this is what it is. And the computer is like, I mean, this is a little bit abstract or false. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit abstract, but essentially, um, you're you're giving instruction to the computer and then the computer interprets that in a very rigid way and ideally mm-hmm. if you have a language if you're working in a language that's well well thought out and not buggy like doesn't have weird interpretations of things in weird fringe situations um it's very deterministic and so you write you write a statement saying i would like to um you know i i'm going to let this symbol represent this value and then i'm going to do this operation on the value and then i'm going to expect this outcome and then you test it and then the computer says here's the outcome was that what you expected and you're like nope and then you can go and so in some ways um, you're honing in on a you're honing in on a desired result but mm -hmm. how you are interpreting it and how you're giving how you are phrasing what you're phrasing to tell the computer to do the computer will do in a literal way which may not actually align with how you were thinking about it right before you typed it out and so what you're trying to do is hone in on something that looks like the bullseye of all of your attempts right yes yeah exactly um, and as you get better, it takes fewer cycles to do some things, but right. always when you're kind of creating new code in a new direction with some new outcome, there's many cycles of, of testing yes. to see, like you might have in your mind, you think, Oh, I think this is the way it should look. And then the computer comes back to you and says, well, given what you think it should look, this is actually what happens. And then you go from there. Um, I was going to say to kind of bring that to a more social discourse, um, if you have uh, when you're having a good argument with somebody, then you're both acting like the computer in the case that you're not, you're not re like you're not um, you're being truthful in your understanding of the semantics. So when you give feedback to somebody, like somebody says, Hey, I, uh, you know, I really like football. And then you interpret that and you say, um, you're like, Oh, great. Yeah. I also enjoy throwing the pigskin around and they're like, Oh no, I mean soccer, right? Like in the, in that interaction, there's no like animosity. You're just correct. Like you're correcting each other and you're saying, okay, now we found agreement. Like when, you know, when we talk about football, um, we're acknowledging there's American football and either we add the qualifier of American football or we don't because we're going to use the term soccer or, you know, um, and then you move forward. But, that also can be trying like some people don't have the energy for it and they just want you to like basically read their mind with minimal effort and that's where you get into trouble right um yeah uh and and that happens like it's hard like you know it's harder and harder 
um, depending on the depth of like abstraction and the like the nuance of the communication you're trying to get across, and also whether you have shared history of of you know having well established yeah. terms. I was gonna say what the relationship is. I think also matters the power yeah. dynamics. Like mm -hmm. sure, yeah. I mean all of those things come all into emotional play. state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I have a lot of resonance when you talk about like creating meaning or, you know, coming to understanding. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, when you say like some people expect you to kind of read their mind with minimal effort, I, I totally think of instances where people have been frustrated with me in those circumstances. And I too am often getting a little frustrated because I'm sort of like, I'm really trying and like asking these questions or, you know, kind of, and they're like, why are we still on this topic? Like, why can't we move forward? And I'm sort of like, well, because I don't think there's a shared understanding or a shared meaning that we're using. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so they seem frustrated and, and maybe this unfairly colors their behavior in a negative light but like when they I, I i see them as what ned said of like wanting me to read their mind with minimal effort mm -hmm. and then i can think of the times when i feel most like frustrated or hurt or disappointed in a conversation is often when i wanted to be understood and felt like i was putting lots of effort i mean i i often put lots of effort into communication and so like i put a lot of effort and thought into like how i expressed something so that we could have shared meaning and therefore I could get this like need or desire I have to be understood met. And then when they, when I don't feel understood, I'm sort of, you know, and this is like oversimplified, but like kind of, you know, the idea that resentment is an unmet expectation. Like, well, I kind of had this want or this mm. need or this expectation that it would be understood. And I tried to take these steps so that that would happen. And it, I still didn't get what I wanted. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm amazed that like we can even communicate with any, anyone at all. Like, and I think we might've talked about this on the podcast too, at some future or past ten tense, like about uh, like, how do the ideas in my head get into your head? Mm -hmm. And then in between us out in the world, there is a thing mm -hmm. like, like it's a hundred percent guaranteed that when I say like, imagine a baseball, you're not thinking about the same baseball I'm thinking about. Right. Or in the same context, like you have some image maybe, but it can't because it's drawn from your experiences and maybe an imaginary one that's a conglomeration or just one that you saw in real life that you can draw from memory or whatever. It's for sure not going to be the same thing that from my standpoint, I'm able to conjure mm -hmm. up, but we both know what a baseball is and we're both thinking about something that's close enough to the idea of a baseball that we both know what a baseball is. Um, like this is where Plato's theory of forms came from where it's like, yeah, but in order to know baseball, there has to be some like perfect baseball to which all baseballs mm, are pretending sure. or, or aspiring or right. like whatever, which, you know, obviously like isn't the case. So is that but, a philosophy? Well, that is a philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Plato's theory of forms is a complete philosophy because it, it's, it makes a statement of what he thinks the way things are is like, this mm -hmm. is it. This is how things are. This is how I know. Look, because of this over here and this over here and this over here and this over here and all these this over here's are all the premises of his argument and you can agree with all of them right. and then you can disagree with the conclusion that he draws from them in which case you disagree with his argument or you can disagree with individual premises and therefore you disagree with the whole thing in full because you're like some part of this isn't right which makes the whole thing not right. quite right but like uh the, I, I guess it goes it's worth saying here clarifying that like a logical philosophical argument is not the same thing as a fight that you have with someone in your family in an argument. <laughs> right. yes like an argument is a statement of how you think things are like a right. full accounting of all of the details that lead you to think what you think and your accounting of them and your conveyance of that accounting to other people so other people can look at what you've looked at and see like oh i see what you're saying here but from my perspective i disagree with this point so i think your conclusion needs to be different or i disagree with everything you're saying but i think you're wrong about what that leads to but like the meg just laid out my ideal <laughs> communication like oh i would love it if i could like actually have that right i try to do this and it just backfires heinously every time i have often it does for me too and yeah i still keep trying to Maybe do i'm explaining this wrong <laughs> i mean i think um like in a lot of these uh, approaches the Oftentimes, it just comes down to the issue of communication takes energy, ah. and to to meet on an agreement requires that 
like sometimes like sometimes you're fast friends with somebody because you already have many of the same definitions right and so it's very easy and it's a low energy communication and you're just like you feel really close but to connect with somebody who you have so much disparity with requires both of you to make major Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. neurological changes like you have to you have to like put aside the resistance to rigid like to sort of grooved thinking where it's like nope this is the way i always think and so like it's easy instead you have to like engage your full brain and be like okay i have to remember that we have a new definition for a thing or we have a new concept Mm -hmm. and i need to remember that and we're building on that and we're building an entire shared like mental image or mental structure that requires energy to um maintain and I, you know, I think Meg, you and I, like we get along because we also actually just enjoy doing that work. Like yes. that's part of the, that's part of the joy of the like, Hey, like we're going to concoct some new mental shared hallucination. Um, right. I know. think like, I think we have two things going for us. I think yeah. one is that like we have found ourselves in situations where both of us knew we were both thinking the same thing and we were the only ones. Right. Right. So like there, we, we kind of have a head start type because of I conflict think, intimacy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Bond, bonding through trauma. But like, I think, um, I think we're lucky because we have had some, similar experiences or experiences that are kind of like parallel to each other which puts us sort of in the right orientation to begin with to see things in similar ways and then where we don't see things similarly we enjoy the like is it this thing over here no it's like we're marco poloing all the time right yeah and we enjoy that process so things that don't just things that we are not like totally simpatico on we're like how do we figure this out yeah and so i think that's kind of um I think at least for me, when I think about interpersonal relationships, I try to keep in mind that um, the person like my frustration often comes from um, realizing I have some expectation for that person to spend more energy. Yes. Meeting Same here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the reality is, is it's like sometimes they might, but timing that is difficult. And sometimes, you know, and like there's yeah. all these other factors and sometimes yeah, I'm just like, OK, it's going to be a slow process. And rather than like you know, wanting to just push it and yeah. be like, let's just get there. Um, there's also too like this shit is difficult enough when there's two willing participants. But then if you like, if you make this into a situation like one that I'm sort of going through right now, where I'm just like, why are you making this so passive aggressively difficult? Like right. you are not acting in good faith to like try and meet me anywhere on anything here. I am going out of my way trying to figure out how the fuck anything works here. And like, I just can't, I'm not getting anything back. It's, annoying yeah well and yes i don't mean to like talk over you meg but to kind of jump back like ned you were um you were sort of saying like you your frustration comes because you realize you had an expectation right and i i know for myself in particularly in in relationships where i kind of uh have some sort of need for like you know emotional safety you know um, like particularly like romantic relationships, like serious romantic relationships, partnerships mm-hmm. that, that super serious, uh, <laughs> super serious, dun, dun, no laughing. Dun. Dun. Um, that, that expectations th- like often I need to be very thoughtful and careful with them. So like there's, there's concept of like secret rules mm-hmm. and that secret rules typically really don't work out well for anybody. Right. And that expectations often to me feel like secret rules. And so resentment is almost always a sign to me that I had an unstated expectation, that there was something I wanted or needed that I I didn't really ask for, Mm. but like expected to get. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't. And that's like, because disappointment is like, has a particular weight to it. I think most people know. (laughs) Like you can be like, oh, that's a bummer. But then like, to actually feel like real disappointment in another person. Mm-hmm. I think most people have a felt sense of that and it has some degree. I mean, it can vary in weight, but it often has a, has a degree of weight. And so what's interesting in what you're saying is like, oh, right. Like in conversation, we can have those expectations too. We can have this expectation that I'm going to get this sort of emotional need met through conversation. And I maybe didn't really 
actually ask. I didn't check that the other person wanted to do that or had the energy to do that, which kind of ties into your point. Mm -hmm. So that was what I thought of. I feel like there should be some kind of a special scale that you can get on at the circus and like, you know, in the midway and you get on and they like guess your weight or whatever based on some other things. But also my weight would be like magnitudes larger than my actual mass because it would be all of that disappointment I carry around. (laughs) (laughs) And they'd be like, something's on the fritz. And then I would trick people in the midway and win a giant stuffed unicorn. Yes. (laughs) Would the unicorn weigh more than you? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Could you put all of your disappointments into the unicorn and then you don't have to carry yes. them around? That is the trick of this midway. You solved yes. the riddle. We need a... Um, Let's build this midway. Magic midway. We'll make so much money. Magic midway with... Um, disappointment prizes? Disappointment Disapp- reservoir? Uh, disappointment alleviation prizes. Disappointment. Magic disappointment storage. reliquaries. Reliquaries. Disappointment nice. reliquaries. Oh. Nice. I, that's a... That's a good podcast title right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's like. I mean, we could change the podcast title right now to that. <laughs> Disappointment Reliquary. I mean, that's I feel like we. Good. Yeah. Um, I mean, we started with a. Uh, I'm really excited to go to the fair this year. Oh, I love the state fair. I love haven't been able to go to the fair so since much. like 2005. Because I've always been doing something else. We could possibly spend an entire episode where I tell, we could talk all about the fair. Like there's so many things like I love. I just love, I have so much volume of enjoyment and love for my state state fair. I stupid love the state fair. I don't even know why I love it so much because I hate crowds of people, but I'm just like, take me to the fair. Uh It is some of the very best uh, people watching. Like I can rank Mm -hmm. the best people watching in my head and the state fair is probably number two right above international airports. Ooh, good one. I think, I mean, I've only been to a few state fairs. I went to Grange fair, I think in Pennsylvania. I don't know if that's technically a state fair, but my understanding Mm -hmm. is it's a very similar kind of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have a fair here in San Diego. Um, and I, uh, my that's ex- not the California State Fair though, because the California no. State Fair fairgrounds are up north. Sacramento. Sacramento, yeah, I think. that's yeah. it's a much smaller experience. I mean, a Grange Fair, a Grange Fair was like, oh, this is what a state fair is. Um, mm. And I like my experience is that it's, um, or I, based on what you guys are saying, I, I think about it in terms of like it being this very um, strangely like very communal experience that yes. is yeah. very approachable and it's kind of. Um, I don't know. It feel it's like so tactile and everything is like so yeah, I don't know. It's it's everybody like showing up and being like, "Hey, here's actually all the stuff that we actually do most of the time." Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I work with this guy who um enters his photography in the fine arts competition every year and oh, they yeah. have like they have like hundreds of thousands it's of submissions huge. the fine arts yeah at our state fair the fine arts company i know other people who have yeah. and my understanding is that their the number of submissions they get is just it's astronomical it's compared huge. to the number of entries they actually select for yeah. display and he's been accepted five fucking times i know people that have entered like uh one visual artist uh, did painting and i think she had entered Ten times and she got displayed once. Wow! And it, my understanding is it's it's it is not fair to make that a straight uh, line to how good you are, mm. right? I mean, no. because I mean, yeah. I'm not sure what the selection criteria are. Like, yeah. it's certainly not the same people year after year, and the people who get selected, I think they select like 120 pieces of art. Maybe sounds about right. Like the people who get selected are not the same people year after year, and you're like professionalism and or education and art have nothing to do with whether you're selected yeah but yeah i was like that's pretty cool shit five fucking times yeah and i i this maybe we we could do this as an episode and do research but or have our research department look into this yeah but like there is variety i believe throughout the fair so like the process for getting into the fine arts is not the same as the process for getting into what's categorized as crafts, which would be like, I know happens to include like textile arts, like knitting or weaving or sewing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I believe then it also is different if you get in uh, for like the process of like the food judging. Yes. And then yet again for like the animal or the plant judging, like that they kind of all have, like I think there are some categories where almost everybody who submits gets some sort of display. Yeah. I milked a cow at the state fair. Wow. Oh, that's, that's cool. There you go. Milking cows is cool. Also, they have like this giant pond sometimes with huge catfish in it. Have you ever seen that? Well, the DNR pond is always there. Oh, the DNR maybe pond. That's is what I'm thinking of. Great. What's it's this? this huge fish pond at Department our, of Natural Resources. At our, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. our DNR, our Department of Natural Resources. They also have a fire tower that you can climb to the top of, like which mm. just seems like it's there for parents to tire out kids. Yeah. Like, just pretend that it's a ride or somehow exclusive, and then be like, you could go all the way to the top. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. How many flights of stairs? It's quite a lot. But uh, the <laughs> they also have this fish pond, which is always Amazing. crowded. Always. And it's just like, I, I have no good way to estimate the size of it, but it seems pretty large. It's a big pond. And it's like got a wibbly edge so that there's maximum, you know, shoreline i'm putting in quotes because it's a man-made pond yeah but so it doesn't have a smooth border so there's more room for people to stand and like it was always shoulder to shoulder surrounded by people and you know whatever four times a day a a dnr officer goes out and gives a little talk and has a laser pointer and or no it's a big stick where he points out different kinds of fish and that's the sturgeon and that's the this and i think they're all i'm guessing they're all native species yeah they live in like the saint croix river or the mississippi River. yeah it's just an example of like all of i believe all river monsters of our fish they're so big they're so the crazy sturgeons are crazy Ooh, yeah have you ever seen a sturgeon fish. only i not in not uh, they are cuckoo no cuckoo bananas i don't think i've ever seen one in real life um, they're enormous I and then there's also the paddle nose one. Oh yeah the paddle, paddle nose one is, is the a gar fish yeah they i think it's gar, they have alligator gar and like big ass fucking fish huge that's fish. pretty fun. Way bigger than me. Yeah. And I think they have to keep some varieties on hand to be replenished of the littler fish because, of course, I believe some of these large fish eat the other fish. There's a DNR pond, or well, it's a lake, and it, they prevent you from using any kind of like, you can't go out on the lake in a, like a craft, but you can go out on this little dock at dusk, and there's these giant muskies in the lake and they come up to the dock to get the minnows in the shore because there's like a feeder lake that kind of dumps in this tiny little like waterfall into the lower lake and that's where all of the little minnows hide and then at dusk they like come out and then the muskies come out and eat them and they're huge they're like terrifying freshwater sharks they're so enormous wow I was standing on the end of the dock and one of them was like flipping around all crazy chasing other fish and smashed into the dock and the whole dock rocked and I was like I'm gonna die the DNR used to, they don't do this anymore, but they used to uh, hire uh, an artist or a team of artists to make a sculpture every year with trash pulled from the Mississippi. <gasps> and it was both this fascinating and so depressing piece of art. Ugh. God. They don't do that anymore, which is a little bit of a bummer. I actually thought that that was like kind of a cool that is really community cool. project. Like, I don't know. It just, it, I feel like it connects on different levels with different people and for different reasons and is a chance for, I don't know, the DNR to, it seems like a, it's something I like for how they spend their money, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good use of funds. Yeah. Yes. I saw this ad or well, I got a thing in the mail that's because I'm a friends of the, I'm part of friends of the Mississippi River. And um, friends in Mississippi River sent out this email that was like, you can help us, you know, like mark the waterways or whatever. And so around here in the in front of the sewer grates in the street, they have these little spray paint stencils that say mm. like this drains the river or like, you know, yeah, like just so p- people realize, like, don't throw your trash here. But they were only doing it in St. Paul. I was like, mm, I'll wait till they have the you could just gorilla do it. I could go and gorilla paint a bunch of stuff but do they we, i mean i guess we should confirm that minneapolis sewer yeah minneapolis is like what my house is in the watershed for the river right there okay just just you know thought i'd check yep so what's the philosophy of the state fair ha <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, i i don't know if they have one yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I guess what I like in Meg's statement of just because you call it a philosophy doesn't mean it is, is that like some things just don't have a philosophy and that right. that's okay. Like that's not a bad thing. Like it's fine to just have 
10 principles and not have a philosophy. Yeah. Right. Like when people get PhDs, they're getting a doctorate in the philosophy of something, which means that you like know all of the things about why it's a thing and you can explain those things to other people. Right. Yep. Yeah. But like not everything has a whole like attached. I mean, you could develop like, for instance, there is no philosophy of harm reduction in academia, which is fucking ridiculous. And what I that think is I'm quite surprising. Uh, yeah. And so that's basically, I think, what's going to be the focus of my master's. Yeah, that seems like a great one. I was like, I can't believe nobody's written about this. That's that's well, it's inexcusable. So I'm going to do it. That, but uh, but uh, that I mean, maybe not even in other fields because like nope. I got my undergraduate work in public health and I feel like harm reduction is a big thing in public health but there's nobody who's written a, like there's nobody who's written a grounded principled explanation uh, okay. of the philosophy of harm reduction yet okay fair enough like nobody's tied it all together sure yeah I mean it takes uh, these things are often yeah are almost always the result of work of multiple people over multiple times right. kind of built and then and then somebody goes hey how come all this stuff isn't like, like yeah. organized into a single unifying theory yeah. Yep. I mean, hell, even Christianity did that, right? They're like, oh, yeah, look at all these books. We got to go and like figure out which ones are in and which ones are come out. Come on. Right. I was going to say I can relate uh, philosophy back to our subject matter of our podcast being art and design, which is that yeah. if you are um, creating art or design. I mean, we've said this before, like understanding communication is a big part of. Yes. Part of that. I mean, it can help you. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to be philosopher to be a good artist um but understanding philosophy especially uh semantics and um the concepts of meaning are a great like you know yeah to go back to the definition um uh having some understanding of the fundamental nature of knowledge reality and experience is something that's kind of cornerstone to communicating um yeah so yeah what uh what time is it how are we doing oh well so i have um we're at 45 minutes yeah no yeah yeah. 46 minutes and i just got a uh, message from the research department for our colors of the day if we want to segue into that particular segment um yeah i mean uh there was something else i was gonna say but i kind of yes was it about the fair though was it about the fair? Oh, well, I was thinking about the fair. There's we a have a space needle at the I fair. I could say about the fair. We could just keep going, but you know. Yeah, but but yeah. then it would just become a list of things that Lauren and Meg like at the state fair. I Well, we yeah. have a very fancy state fair. We have, I think, we the, like we are always neck and neck with Texas for the largest state fair in wow. the In terms of attendance. Yes, right? in terms yeah. of attendance. There's like two million people who go to our state fair. That's amazing. It's like the whole state. Yeah. There's, um, uh, speaking of semantics and philosophy, uh, yeah. the <laughs> semantics of the, of the um, term space needle. Um, oh, yeah. yes. I, it's funny, I've, you know, that term is so probably widely used that people probably just think of what is actually intended. But if you take the two words together, um, just at face value, I like, I don't know. It, it conjures so many things up. I mean, having grown up in the sort Stitching of space in the sort mm. of, uh, the shuttle era of NASA space exploration, um, space pens were kind of this marketed <gasps> garbage thing that weren't real, but were marketed. And, um, <laughs> and, and so space needles just to Seinfeld. me thinks, yeah, to me, I just think of like, Oh, these are sewing needles that work in space. Ah, <laughs> See, and I instantly went like, you know, uh, a wrinkle in time or whatever. And this mm-hmm. is like a needle for stitching space. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. After you've nice. cut it and you need to alter it. In right. Some way or so, right. Or repair a hole. Yeah. Patch. I need yes. to patch some space. Yeah. Let me get my space needle. Yeah. Ooh, I want space scissors. Right. Yeah. Snip, snip. <laughs> cut that space <laughs> right up. Make some. Watch your bits. <laughs> Watch your bits. <laughs> I, hey, have you heard about space elevators? Yes. I mean, <laughs> I think they sound crazy, but cool. I think they sound crazy, but cool as well. And I, are they elevators that one? work in space? No, they take you up no, to I space. Know. Yeah. Yes. I, I've read a fair amount. Um, I think the biggest problem is that the materials required in order to meet the insane stresses requ- like that would be present, um, make them, imaginary yeah i mean i don't it's 
you know, a lot of people argue that, oh, like carbon fiber or this or that, or like we're going to like we're almost there. And and I don't know um, my understanding and I could be wrong. It's been a while since I read about this. There's no known material that would make them possible. Um, there's I no known right structures that. that currently exist that would make them possible. Um, the I think I think the appeal of space elevators is that um it's not so much that they're like lower energy to get to orbit it's that you don't have to make it chemical energy um Mm -hmm. oh i okay i thought it was sort of like railroads where it's like all the energy most of the energy is up front in building the infrastructure and then once you have that built it takes some energy to run on it but it's relatively efficient i think um that may that that is one of the dreams of it but uh (laughs) But I think that the huge, the biggest advantage that maybe is least stated is that it's not chemical. It doesn't require chemical Fair. energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if you can power something electronically, then you can power something with solar energy, which means that we can offset the energetic lo- workload to the sun, which is already working. Um, yeah, right. Which is just doing its work all the time. Yeah. And so to capture that energy is always a great move because it means that we're not... Um, releasing energy back into our atmosphere or worse, which is that we're like chemically polluting our atmosphere, which has a huge amount of fallout, like sometimes literally fallout and sometimes um, other kinds of problems. (laughs) Um, And so it's, it's a cleaner, like it's a cleaner mode Um, that said, like it's, you know, there are some other, there are some other ways of doing that, but, but having having a road to travel on or having a cable to pull yourself up from um, means that you can convert uh, solar energy into mechanical energy and bypass a lot of the chemical combustion that we currently live with. Um, yeah. Like rockets are incredibly bad for the environment. Yes. Um, like airplanes are incredibly bad for the environment. Uh, you know, petrochemical or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what fuel you use in a rocket. They're all bad um, yeah. for our atmosphere in to when you get to scale um so that's why uh something like a space elevator is is pretty cool um you know there's been other ideas right like um using like a um you know like a rail gun like an electromagnetic propulsion Mm -hmm. device that basically but you can't the problem with that is that you need rockets are very efficient um because you have that force over time Mm-hmm. Whereas with uh, like basically a catapult, um, you know, using just mechanical energy to throw something off the planet requires you only have force at the beginning. Yeah, you can only apply force at the beginning, and that's the worst place to be applying it because that's where the most re- air resistance is. And so, like rockets, like they're often staged so that you're spending some of your time getting out of the denser atmosphere, and then once you get out of the denser atmosphere, your burns are way more efficient, or your your force is more efficient because you're no longer fighting air resistance. And then mm-hmm. also going slower at the start is helpful because moving slower through the thicker atmosphere is more efficient than moving quicker through the through the thicker atmosphere and then going quicker once you're out. So that all of those things are uh, antithetical to creating a catapult type situation where you're throwing something because the fastest speed is at the beginning. Right. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Um, It's, it's an interesting problem from a physics point of view and I think space elevators are pretty fascinating and I, I, you know, I certainly hope that we can have something like that because that would make that would really radically change the way we explore space and also the damage that we do in order to do that. So, I mean, but isn't the real question what color the elevator would be? I'm sorry, Meg. Yes. And how say? long can I live on it? Oh. Yes. I was really going to go with the color. Can I control how far up or down it goes? Um, I mean, if you own the elevator, I imagine. Yes. Who do I sue in the event of a midair collision? God, I don't know. So, <laughs> depends. I mean, you think, thinking ahead here. You think balloons running into power lines is a problem, right? Oh my God! Can we talk about balloons and power lines for a second? Yes. Not right now. Oh, oh no. yeah. go ahead. You I, guys we'll can. save it for. I will, a whole, no, no, no. We're going to do. I can leave, and you guys can keep nope, talking. We're going to do a whole yeah, episode we'll about it later. We're going to have back. the balloonacy episode when you come back. Balloonacy. All right. Let's talk about uh, colors guys, of the day. Colors yeah. of the day. What's our first color of the day? What did our Fabulous research team share with us this afternoon. 
Uh, so the very first color Hi. is... Oh, my cat. Please continue. <laughs> our, He's just uh, straight up shredding me right now for attention. Nice. Um, our first color is discriminating lucubration. Lucubration. Oh, hang on. Lucubration. We're trying to look up the colors right now. Yeah, I sent you the the link that the yes. research department gave me. Okay. I'm having discriminating lucubration. Luc- yeah. Uh, Interesting. So, yeah, so this is a... Um, or lucubration. Yeah, so the hexadecimal values for this color are... Uh, that would be... If you this is the first time you're listening to this and you want to see the color, you're just going to pop this whole thing into Google, um, starting with the pound sign or the hashtag. So it's going to be hashtag 81E1D1. Once again, that's hashtag 81Echo1Delta1. So if you put that in Google, it'll pop up the color for you. Um, uh, Lauren, how would you describe this color? I would say that is a mint, like, and very much like a, a 1950s mint. Oh, yeah. 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 So I don't know if that's classic mint. It's, I agree with you. It's like a, or maybe like a teeny bit sea foamy, but yeah, like, like that, um, like Depression era glass, that's that mint color. Yeah, I think it's greener than a sea foam would be. Like, sea foam yeah. is, sea foam is a, greenish blue and this is a bluish green I, so it is it is a, a okay, relative i would agree yeah and it is a pastel because it's a i don't know classic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the uh the paired um color as if you aren't familiar and you want to listen back to our pantone bullshit episode where we explain why having two colors is important in order to have any experience of color um Essential, one might argue. Essential, yes. Uh, the uh, follow-up or the supporting color is the non-aligned temptation, and non-aligned temptation has the hexadecimal value of uh, again hashtag four six a f f e. So that's hashtag four six alpha foxtrot foxtrot echo. Um, and again, if you put the if you put that in there, including the pound sign slash octothorpe slash hash sign hashtag whatever you refer to it, if you put that whole number in there with the hashtag into Google, it will immediately pop up the color for you in a nice color picker, so you can see it. Um, this color is more of a like pastel blue. It's a it's closer to a cornflower. We've discussed cornflower corn yeah. previously. Yeah. It mm-hmm. it still to me is less purple than a true cornflower would be, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah. it has yes pastel blue. It could just be a pastel blue. I think that that is fairly accurate because many lighter color, many things we would call light blue are actually um, have more white and possibly a little more green in them. Yeah, and this is sort of like a royal blue, but you know with you know decreased in its vibrancy by you know two-thirds or whatever so Mm -hmm. pastel blue yeah it's this is definitely a blue blue yes i like it it's kind of like mm, like i imagine if a kid was coloring the sky a color it would be this blue Mm -hmm. but but it's not actually actually sky blue yeah yeah yeah, but yes, exactly, which is why I like your your interpretation. It's like this is an interpretation of sky blue. Mm-hmm. Like in a box of crayons, if there wasn't exactly sky blue, like this might be the next closest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it or it's like of. if you used your blue crayon but just mm-hmm. didn't push very hard. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, that's really good. Yep. There I'm, we go. I'm seeing it totally. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Those are good colors. These are good colors together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are and, nice. Yeah. Yep. We've had some good ones recently. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Great job, research team. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo. Non-aligned um, temptation and discriminating lucubration. Yeah. Well, uh, since we need to keep this strictly to one hour and no longer. Um, <sighs> That's it. All the, That's rules. the rules. Yeah. Right. Uh, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening. And once again, we do like to hear from you. So if you want to email us, um, you can email our executive assistant, Dana, D-A-N-A at FCBM.io. And um, yeah, I mean, I would guess like you probably want to keep washing your hands. Yes. Uh, yes. Consider getting vaccinated yes. if you can. Um, and, you know, 
Uh, don't be a dick. Don't be a P- dick. Probably it's not a bad idea to just wear a mask everywhere we go from now on. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to be that person. Like, I'm just going to throw it out there and validate anyone who's still feeling like, you know, <laughs> it's not just about COVID. It's about all of the other horrific Pandora's box of pathogens that are out there that we're not going to know about until it's too late because a bunch of us have died. So, right. like, you might as well just keep a fucking mask on and keep washing your hands. Yep. I mean, but that's using the philosophy of harm reduction. So it is. someone might have a different philosophy that they're using. That's true. You may have a philosophy Just of extreme risk Just a full disclosure. Right, right. Full disclosure. That is Meg's philosophy. So. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. <laughs> so if you disagree, consider examining your own philosophy. Right. But right. it has to have three parts. Yes. <laughs> it has to have three parts. All right. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks everybody Thank for listening. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Okay, thanks bye. for the idea about the nitinol. That was a really good suggestion. We'll talk to you soon. I have to be.